From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is teacher, writer, and musician Alexis, recorded as part of our 50th broadcast episode of The Transgender Show. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for agreeing to be on, and may the fourth be with you as well. <laughs> and also with you, is that the appropriate... <laughs> I the think, appropriate response. I think that's what we're going with. For the record, how do you identify? I uh, I identify as a trans woman, or um, and often I just leave off the trans part, uh, and I go by the pronouns she, her, hers. How did you choose your name? Originally, when I first came out, I tried the name Jess for or Jessica. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to keep something similar to my dead name. Um, so that, you know, there would be less of a transition. Uh, however, <clears throat> what ended up happening is after about a week, I realized that this is not working. This is not me. I am not Jess, Jessica, or any combination thereof. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went back to baby name books, something very common <laughs> I've, I've found with the trans community. And I also practiced writing the names. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, I came down to a few that I liked, but Alexis just kept sticking. And I thought of the early days of my transition when I'd be out in public, I'd want to go by my name. But at the same time, I didn't want something that was going to draw attention. So I could shorten it to like Alex. Um, mm -hmm. And the funny thing is that nobody ever called me Alex. I was always Alexis. Uh, and then I met a few friends in person and they immediately shortened it to Lexi. Uh, so it's like Alexis or Lexi, those are my two names at this point. Uh, so there's no significance be for my first name. My middle name has a lot of personal personal meaning. Mm -hmm. um, that name is Lorraine. Okay. Now, uh, my ex-wife and I, we, have, we had three kids. Uh, our oldest daughter, Jillian Lorraine, passed away uh, due to heart, uh, congenital heart failure. And so I knew I wanted a piece of her with me, but I couldn't take her first name. I just, it wouldn't feel right. So I took Lorraine from her to always carry her with me. So Alexis Lorraine it is. That's so touching and so sweet. I'm so sorry to hear for that loss. Thank you. Mm -hmm. When did you first realize you were trans? What were the clues for you? Um, I have a very vivid memory of when I was young, looking in a, and I'm in the bathtub and I'm looking down and I'm just like, this isn't right, Some, something's wrong. Um, and I, I continued to feel that way. I was like, I knew something wasn't right about me, but this was, I was very young and this was pre-internet days. So I had no real way of finding information about what I was feeling. And I was also too young to be able to really understand. So I didn't have the language to under to describe what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I just kept thinking, okay, well, this is normal. This is normal. Everybody feels this way. Everybody feels like they don't belong in their body. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> and I had no one to reach out to to find out otherwise. Mm -hmm. So when you realized that that's what it was, how did you kind of come to grips with that? What were some of the struggles that you ran into at that specific point? Um, I was never comfortable playing with boys. Um, 
still I'm I'm still not. That's probably why I'm gay. But <laughs> uh, I was never comfortable playing with boys. I didn't like boys' games. I liked playing with My Little Pony. I had a very nice collection of of My Little Pony dolls. Um, I collected unicorns. I collected little unicorn figurines. Um, <clears throat> and all of my closest friends have always been women. Uh, so that was the biggest struggle. Um, I was always very conscious of what I was wearing, but I, I would look at the clothes of all those, gir- all those girls around me and I'm like, oh God, that's so cute. God, girls have such, such luck to be able to wear all those really great outfits. Again, something guys don't do. You know, mm-hmm. guys don't look at a woman's outfit and say, oh, my God, that's so cute. Ah. You know, that's not normal. But again, I was like, oh, it's just this is just what guys do. Mm-hmm. Oh, good grief. Um, but that was how I struggled. Mostly, I didn't have a lot of body dysphoria, but that's probably because I was always very slight. I had a very um, thin frame. Um, I didn't have any any muscles to speak of. I was you know, I was very lanky. Uh-huh. Um, so I didn't have to deal with like the the dysphoria of being, you know, growing a lot of body hair or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I was very blessed in that that frame. Um, once I finally put a name to what I was feeling, it was my freshman year in college. And I it was when I met a young trans man. And he's like, He's telling me, he's like, I think you're trans. And I was like, oh, I can't be. Oh, I can't be. You know, because I'd already accepted that this is just how I feel. And I can't possibly move. You know, I'd already ha- I'd had girlfriends because if I was a trans, if I was a woman, I would want to be with a guy. Right. So I couldn't mm-hmm. possibly be a trans woman because, you know, I would want to ha- I would want to be with men and mm-hmm. no ick. So that also that stood in the way of me accepting who I was. Um <laughs> So I just pushed it down and I went to pr- proceeded on with my life. I got married, you know, I dated, got married, had kids, you know, and I just kept pushing it down every time those feelings came out. So, so you were, you found this trans man and, and he was like, yeah, you're, you're trans. And you're like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah um, th- I mean, that's kind of what happened. When you, when you, got to the realization and realized that this was you and this was something you needed to do. Did you find a particular role model or confidant to talk with or to model yourself after? Um, after my divorce, my ex and I weren't talking and I, I met someone else. <clears throat> We'd been together for a couple of years and she, she had an idea, or at least after the, the revealing moment, she said, I always kind of knew because of all the comments you would make and things like that. Okay. So, about people's outfits again? <laughs> yeah. About, well, it wasn't just outfits, but about, you know, like, you know, hair mm. and makeup and jewelry. And, you know, it was, there was always like the, the peripherals of being a girl, mm. you know, that, the, and it's very stereotypical. And I understand that it's, it's maintaining these societal expectations of women. But I mean, I was, I was all for jewelry and makeup and things like that so um Mm -hmm. i was always very femme so uh but she knew and she decided she said well i would like to give you a makeover and i was like oh inside i'm just like my you know my my little girl heart's just jumping up and down squeeing you know just squealing in joy yeah um but on the outside on the outside i was like yeah all right i can do that 
So yeah, sure. No, no big. If, if you want exactly. to, I could take it or leave it, whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, trying to play it cool. But in my, in my heart of hearts, I'm just like, <gasps> mm-hmm. so, <laughs> um, I expected her to just use her makeup. And now this was a very pale woman. She was very pale. So what ended up happening, I was expecting to look like Ronald McDonald or, you know, even worse, it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was expecting to look like I had clown makeup on um, because she was very, very pale. Uh, and I'd done enough theater um, <laughs> and theater makeup to know that you have to find the right skin tone or else it's going to look bad. So, but she pulled out this bag and in this bag, she had gone and purchased makeup specifically for my skin tone. Oh. And I just, I almost just broke down crying right there because that thoughtfulness was so incredible. Um, but she's, she's giving me this makeover, uh, you know, doing my foundation and highlight and eyeliner and eyebrows and everything. Uh, um, and I was loving every minute of it. The, the, intimacy of that moment just really brought to me brought home to me that this is right this mm-hmm. is what i've always wanted and she holds up a mirror and you know i didn't i mean the makeup was beautiful but i didn't look great so um i mean i had my i mean my hair was shaved straight to my scalp mm-hmm. um you know i was not yeah, I was not pretty, but <laughs> I looked in the mirror and I just started crying. It was like the the dam had burst and there was no way I was going to hold it back. So I started crying and she just holds me and she says, you know, she's like, it's okay to admit that you like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I don't want to go back. I don't ever want to go back. And she said, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And from that point forth, um, I have always she i've always been out i've been gendered by her correctly um and you know our relationship didn't last for various other reasons but i will always be grateful for her to her for that moment um Mm -hmm. that allowed me to really accept who i was yeah that's such an amazing level of support uh one of my key memories from being a kid was my cousin got kidnapped by the neighbor girls and they they made him up and um that was just one of my dreams and i thought it was you know just along the lines of this is what some boys you know like or whatever right um but for you to have that moment where like you said someone was was focused that intently on you and caring for you in that way in a feminine nurturing way uh, to a nurturing way to your femininity what a wonderful experience and and I said, so incredibly supportive. Yeah, I'm, and I know I'm lucky because I know so many other people stro- have to come out on their own. I basically had somebody come into the closet, throw me over their shoulder and bring me out with them. <laughs> so that was, it was really nice. Nice. Uh, I wanted to take a second because, um, you know, for the 50th episode, making sure we, we say hi to everybody that pops in. We got Jen Giggles here. Amy's here. Britt, what is your, Britt Echo is here. Danny's here, a fairly new member to the community. So welcome, everybody. Let's move on to coming out. So, you know, we've covered how you came out to your 
significant other was was she your your spouse at that time she no we were we were just dating but um yeah she wasn't my significant other at the time okay um how did you go about coming out to the rest of the world was was there a specific process you used or were there different ones for like work and friends family i yeah it, it was basically a train wreck um my coming out to everybody happened as a cautionary tale for everybody who is listening this is how not to come out um I came out. Yeah, I came out to my partner. I came out to my ex-wife, and I came out to my kids. They knew first. Mm-hmm. I came out to them in person. The conversations were a little awkward, but my ex-wife was like, "Okay, you know, we'll get. You know, we put our kids into therapy, uh, you know, just to help them process what was coming before I came out to them. So that was great. After that, <clears throat> I chose three people who I would come out to. Um, two of them were friends that I've been friends with forever. Uh, and I sent them a picture, an announcement saying, this is me. I'm happy with who I am. Yay. Um, I also picked one of my coworkers that I worked with at the school I was at. Mm-hmm. What, my friend who I've been friends with since the third grade, she was like, oh, I'm so happy for you. This is amazing. Yay. Um, then my other friend who I was friends with in high school and on, she said that, you know, she's going to miss who I was, you know, this, she doesn't know who this person is. And so that was not great. Mm-hmm. My coworker um, took a screenshot of my post or my message to, to them, and they brought it into a faculty meeting at the school and they proceeded to pass their phone around to every single faculty member at my school. So I was outed to everyone at my school. And then they took that screenshot and they posted it on their Facebook page and tagged me in it. So everybody who I was friends with on Facebook and um, on Twitter and everything, they now had this information. So I ended up having to do damage control. I hadn't even gotten to tell my mother. Um, And so I had to, I had to, come up with this and you know try to fix my coming out so i had my coming out story completely stolen from me mm-hmm. um so now when you know when i'm talking to younger trans individuals or even you know older trans individuals who are coming out i always make sure i'm like i tell them take it slow one person at a time if necessary don't trust that they're going to take it well Find out, make sure that they, you know, you have that you can trust their confidence before you do, before you give them any of this information. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would, I would love to do it over again. <laughs> I'd love to try that. Let's try that again, shall we? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not so much to that person early on, maybe later in, yeah, maybe in not so the much. scheme of things. Yeah. On the opposite end of that, did you have anybody that supported you that, surprised you that you you know you got a level of support from them that you weren't expecting yeah my ex-wife i was really surprised um we've been we had been married for 10 years we've been together for 14 um our our marriage fell apart but you know we just started getting better and being able to talk and everything so when she when i told her and she was like that's fine i'm perfect yeah that's great um Later on, after she saw how happy I was and how 
much more confident I was in myself. She actually made the comment. She's like, you know, if you transitioned before we got divorced, we might still be together. And I was like, maybe not. But uh, it was, I was very, very surprised at that level of support. Mm. Um, I, I didn't have anybody else. I, I, it's funny because I actually picked up people as I went. Um, like my friend Julia, um, Raw Jewels on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Her mom actually adopted me, uh, not legally, but you know, she said, "You're my, you're my daughter now." And I just mailed off my Mother's Day card to her yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's she's become like a surrogate parent because I lost both of mine in this coming out. Yeah, so th that's a that's an important topic to to hit that we haven't yet. Yeah. How was how was your family's support? Um, I I have a huge family. Um, my mother has seven brothers and like six sisters, uh, and of that entire family, including my parents, I have one aunt and one cousin who still speak to me. Um, I lost everybody. I lost every everybody and everything in the in, in this decision that I did. Um, my mother, when I came out, when I was talking to her, she's like, "I can send you to camp so that you can be fixed, um, and if you don't go, I no you're no longer my child." And so I said, "No." I said, "I'm absolutely not." It was a conversion therapy camp. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Absolutely. And so when I said no, she changed her Facebook status to mother of three boys to mother of two boys. And that was it. And mm. I haven't spoken to her since. So that was four years ago. Insanity. Yeah, it's it. it you know, you have this naive thought when you're growing up of unconditional love. And it takes something like this to test that and to prove that even the, the people that are absolutely supposed to support you in every way, um, how quickly that, that, that can turn, you know, just based on certain, certain criteria, certain constraints. It's so bizarre. Um, I wish I could say I was actually surprised. Um, mm. I grew up with my parents. I knew what their beliefs were. So I knew that there was very slim chance um, that this was going to work. My father actually tried. Uh, when I came out to him, when I explained everything to him, um, he actually went to a PFLAG meeting and asked, how do I, how do I deal with this? And he, did a, he, helped, he tried a lot. He tried to get my name right. He tried to get my pronouns right. Um, but then when I started talking about the fact that I, I was thinking about if I want surgeries or not, um, that's when he was like, no, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, and then that was it. So, I mean, on theoretically, we still have a relationship, but I haven't heard from him in a year and a half. So, Getting a lot of comments in the chat that your experience with your mother is a very common one. And, um, you know, I, I've had direct experience with something like that with, with my, my father. It, it didn't cut things off, but in the conversation we were having, which was mostly positive about getting to coming to terms with what it was to be trans and all that kind of stuff. Same sort of sort of a thing. As soon as the the surgery thing came up as, as a potential thing, the, I mean, it, it just got really cold. So. Right. Another well, I would, uh, common theme. I will say when I when I first came out to my dad, his first response was, 
I would have been less surprised if you said you were gay. Um, apparently, he and my mother, while I was growing up, they were absolutely convinced that I was going to tell them someday that I was gay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, dad, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I am. Yeah. I just didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a lesbian. So you were right. <laughs> yep. You were, you were right in your wrongness. Yeah. Good for and, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have an adopted mother in Julia's mom. And we're getting several comments in here from Charlotte and Jeannie and others that uh, you also have adopted uh, aunts for the taking in, in the chat. Oh, here, oh OK. Like. Well, um, that's very sweet of you. Uh, you know, I'm all about big family. I have plenty of sisters. Uh, Jen Giggles is like, you know, she and I, she's actually the first trans person that I met in real life since the young trans man. She's the first trans woman that I was aware of meeting in real life. Um, and that was in Philadelphia two years. It'll be two years ago in July. Mm-hmm. So we've been we've been really good friends since then. Um, so Jen and Julia, um, I, Victoria from you know the Transvengers. She's like she's like a sister to me. Um, here in Phoenix, there's Samantha, who's kind of like a sister. She's more like um more like a cousin, really. But mm-hmm. Samantha, Samantha, do do we know a Samantha? Do we know a Samantha? <laughs> Has anybody heard about? Have you? I don't yeah, think it, anybody's talked about Samantha. Yeah, in, in chat, if you know of a Samantha, let us know. Um, Jen yeah. did uh, put in, the, in there that that uh, you know it's, you're you're her sister, so absolutely. Yeah. Now yeah. you're. I, I you, had to. I had to say that she would have been so mad at me <laughs> if I didn't acknowledge that relationship. Mm-hmm. Now you were outed in a horrible way uh, at work. How were you able to salvage that? What was what? How did it settle out to be um, as far as your level of acceptance at work and your ability to perform your job there? Um, it's funny because my first year teaching, which was the year I came out, um, I before I came out, I was getting all these glowing reviews and glowing, um, glowing appraisals. I mm-hmm. was even nominated for you know rookie teacher of the year for the district. But as soon as I came out, uh, as soon as I was outed, I immediately had to go to the administration and start telling them. I hadn't planned on informing anybody of this, of my of my coming out for at least a couple of years, um, because I mean, you know, HRT doesn't change overnight. You know, so I was going to slowly come out. Um, mm-hmm. When I spoke with the administration, uh, they said, "Okay, that's fine. Um, you're not wearing women's clothing to school." And I was like, okay, well, you know, in a couple of years when I've had a lot of hormones, you know, I'm going to look very weird dressing like a guy. (laughs) I'm like, um, but I wasn't allowed to say anything. I wasn't allowed to tell anybody. I wasn't allowed to be myself. I still had to go by Mr., um, which was awful. Uh, Mm -hmm. Finally, after my third year, um, I was constantly being misgendered i was constantly being um given poor appraisals for and written up for the craziest things um 
they didn't want to fire me for being trans because they the district that district had actually lost a lawsuit from a trans youth who they wouldn't allow to use the restroom just two years before. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like a three million dollar lawsuit. So they didn't want to even though it wasn't technically against the law that they could fire me for being trans back then. Uh, they didn't want to because it would have been a public a public image problem. Um, now, I decided I was, I'm coming out. Um, I'm far enough along in my journey. I'm not trying to pretend I'm not who I am. So I changed the name on the sign outside my door without, I told them that I was going to do it. Um, mm -hmm. I let them know every step. And I said, uh, these are my pronouns. You know, it's Miss Mayor. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. They are expected, they're not preferred, they are expected. And I got, I got brought into the admin's office because they said that that was too uh, aggressive, too confrontational. And I was like, well, I've been misgendered every year. I've been correcting people for two and a half years. I'm, you know, I'm not dealing with this anymore. You know, these are my pronouns, stop. Um, and finally, you know, I, my first, I, the first day of school, I wore a dress. And when I was teaching, I, you know, I would get immediately, immediately, the first question I would get from a student, are you transgender? And I was like, yes. And I would say, I, when I look in the mirror, when I was growing up, the person I saw in the mirror was not who I saw inside myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've had to live with. And this is the only time I will talk about it. I will answer no questions. It's none of your business. And I moved on. Um, I got 22 parent complaints that night about teaching children how to be transgender. Um, I'm like, <sighs> so um, I then had about 20 students withdrawn from my class and moved to different classes. And so it was, it was really rough. And then when I was confronting the admin about, you know, because they were trying to um, write, write a letter in my file about inappropriate behavior, talking about being trans, I said, this is what they asked. I said, yes, I am trans. I'm not going to deny it. I'm like, I'm in a dress, you know, they see me, you know, I can't hide this. And I said, um, I told them that, you know, because they were saying that they, they shouldn't allow me to teach. And they shouldn't allow me to be in front of children. And when I said to the, the principal, I was like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. And he's like, well, you know, they're just, they're just concerned about their teaching. And I was like, yeah. And I said this, I was like, yeah, because bigots are always very open about their motivations. Um, so, and that was about uh, three weeks before I left that job. <laughs> mm. So it wasn't a great reception, mm -hmm. but the school I'm at now is amazingly supportive um it's a new city and a new state um and my insurance that i get from the school district covers my all of my needs and, you know it's trans inclusive whereas my insurance in south carolina was trans ex exclusionary oh, okay. uh, so it's you know it's a night and day experience yeah i can imagine that's it's wonderful that you've that you found a, a place. I really applaud you for sticking it out for three years there through all of that. And and then on top of everything that they were doing, actually putting down your foot and saying, here's my pronouns, here's it. And then just going for it. I I applaud you for that. That takes a lot of courage and, and congrats on that. Thank you. It was it was a risk.
you know, mm-hmm. so much of our life is a risk, but that was, that was really difficult. What was your experience in trying to find community in the beginning, trying to find a support group of like-minded trans people? Um, in South Carolina, I, the first time I met another trans person that I was aware of them being trans was the day before I was moving out of South Carolina. Um, I actually had to drive to um, Georgia at first to get my hormones because Mm. I couldn't get into a a clinic to get hormone therapy. Uh Uh, I actually was, I actually, the first doctor I went to, the endocrinologist was like, oh yeah, we can do that, no problem. Then the lead physician for that practice came in and said, oh no, absolutely not, get out. So, um, uh, there was a support group in South Carolina, but you had to be invited into the group on Facebook by someone who was already in the group. And the meetings that they had were moved to a different day every month. It was one day a month in a different location. And they would only announce it 24 hours before on the Facebook group Mm -hmm. um, because they were so afraid of targeting and retribution. So it was rough. There wasn't a lot of support there. Um, So I was alone. And, you know, I was at risk in that community. When I got to Phoenix, I mean, there are the support groups here are amazing. The um, the okay. trans support group that uh, I'm a part of now, um, that I've attended, uh, has a huge amount of of trans and trans allies as part mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I, I owe that to Samantha. I mean, she introduced me to the TSAS group, and they're they're re- trans spectrum of Arizona. They're really impressive. They're really amazing. Um, in the meantime, in the in between, uh, I found my community online. And that's one of the reasons I had so much effort put into Instagram was to gather that following to gather that community to myself, since I couldn't find it where I was living. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, but I, I think that's one thing that the, the pandemic has really done to help a lot of trans people. You know, for me, like I didn't have anything else to do. So it sort of forced me online, forced me into finding the community and really diving in. And um, so in, in that regard, it, it's been really good. You know, I think it, it's easier when you're starting out to get into a text based, more anonymous type of community where you can dip your toes in. You can you can lurk a little bit and just kind of, you know, see what's going on and then dive in when you're ready. Um, it's, it, it can be a really nice way to get, get your feet under you in the community. Right. Um, that was not how I did it. <laughs> I dove straight in head first. It was like, here I am world. Ah! <laughs> um, it was, pr- it was pretty brutal, but my, my entry into my online persona, um, I actually had a private page because I was a teacher and I didn't want people finding my information. So I had really obscure usernames and that I kept changing all the time. Um, and then finally, May, it's actually next week will mark three years. No, I'm sorry. Next week will mark two years of having a public profile. So, hmm. you know, it's pretty, it's, I think I've done pretty well. You know, I have a little over 13,000 followers now. So that's kind of nice. Pretty well. Pretty well. And... <laughs> 
how has that affected things? How has that changed to something that was so public affected how you feel about yourself, how your transition has gone? It can be hard sometimes um, when you're putting yourself out there. Some of the comments that you get can be really brutal to your self-esteem. Um, but at the same time, uh, the reason I did this publicly, the reason I documented my transition uh, in this media medium was because I wanted to protect myself. And if it's public, if everybody can see it, there's less less risk of being disappeared. You know, you're not going to be able to just vanish. If I were to disappear from Instagram today, somebody would notice, mm -hmm. you know, it may not, it may not be a lot of people. It may not even be more than 10% of the people who follow me, but you know, some of the people will notice. Uh, and before, you know, before I had Instagram, that wouldn't have been the case. I could have just vanished off the face of the earth. And I mean, my ex-wife would, would miss me and my kids would miss me, but that would have been it. Mm -hmm. So and that almost happened. I mean, before I really got an Instagram following, I was almost I was almost murdered in a parking lot in South Carolina. Wow. Um, I, I was walking into a store and I was wearing a skirt and I felt really cute. Mm. Um, that's always your first mistake. That's your first mistake, ladies. Never feel cute because if you feel cute, you've got to keep your eyes open. Um, but I, I saw this group of young men. And they were very boisterous and I was, I was ready. I had my pepper spray in my hand and my purse and I was like watching them as they walked past. Well, they passed me. So I'm like, Whew. I'd taken this breath. I lowered my guard. Then all of a sudden I hear steps come running up behind me and I get the next thing I know I'm on the ground. I've just been forced to the ground and I was just being kicked and pummeled and stomped on. And I felt, felt my ribs break. Um, that, and I heard it and I just felt that it. it was this visceral feeling. Um, and you know, they were using all kinds of horrible language, calling me all kinds of names. Um, the last thing I remember is I'm trying to crawl away and I look up and one boot just comes straight down into the side of my head. Um, and it cracked, a, I later learned that it had knocked me unconscious and it cracked my skull. And, um, there was significant, uh, internal swelling in my brain. And so I was taken to the hospital. Uh, I was in a coma for about two weeks. Um, it was a little under, I think it was 13 days. But, you know, I was, I had five broken ribs, um, scars up my side from stitches that I'd received, yeah. uh, you know, a fr fractured skull. And, you know, they were worried about brain damage. But, you know, with all the testing that they did, they, you know, they discovered that I seemed to be functioning normal. Um, for or as normally as I ever was, I should say. Mm -hmm. But when the police came, their first question they asked me was not, are you okay? They're like saying, so um, why don't you tell us what happened? What did, you know, did you do something to instigate this or aggravate them? And at that point, I knew that I was never going to get help or justice in South Carolina. Um, the, the guys were never looked into they were never arrested they were never charged you know i just ex i was just another victim that they were ready to write off because i was different than they were so mm -hmm. uh so you know uh, it it became very important to me to be visible to make sure that i couldn't just disappear because yeah. you know it i may not be able to change the world but if i can protect one individual from going what through what i've gone through then 
I'll consider my whole life worthwhile. Mm -hmm. You're getting a lot of love in the chat, uh, obviously. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd notice if you disappear. Um, uh, let's see, Charlotte and Jen, of course. Mimi, welcome in, Mimi. I don't know if I've had a chance to say that to you, say that out loud yet, but every everybody me. in the trans community's adopted mom is Mimi, and she's here. Welcome in. Um, Britt Echo says, um, "I'm assuming she. I'm sorry. Uh, let me know your your pronouns in the chat." But uh, they they say they would notice she. Britt uh, would be she. Okay. Um, let's see. And then comments about you know it's that's no way to treat another human being. I, I I don't understand where where people. I don't understand where that comes from. Where what that triggers in people that is so strong that they have to they have to resort to that. It's it's just so horrible. And I I don't know what the hell is wrong with with people in the country. Um. Yeah. Um. I I definitely recommend you checking the chat after after the show's over because there's a lot of love coming through for you it might be nice oh, for you I, to see that yeah it's i don't like telling that story very often um it's an it's a story i've told before um especially in events like this where you know i'm talking about my experience but it's brutal um mm -hmm. usually i end up having nightmares later and you know i have to relive it all over again but <clears throat> it's one of those stories that it might be the worst one of the worst days of my life um you oh, know yeah. losing my daughter was by far the worst but um it needs to be shared and it needs to be something that we hear because you know we're not in a we're not safe we should be but we're not mm -hmm. and that needs to change so yeah it's a double whammy and uh it's it's so strange how things kind of happen in life sometimes. Um, I just had a friend, she's a cis female who two weeks ago was attacked. And, you know, and I, I have my pre-interview with you and, and find that, that you are as well. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've been pretty safe. I try and be aware of my surroundings and things like that. But hearing about these two incidents in such close proximity, you know, hearing about them near each other um, has really put into question how safe I have been, how much attention I've paid and, and those sorts of things. So it's like you said, it's, it's a brutal reality of what we have to face, but just a sobering reminder that you, you definitely have to keep your guard up more than, more than you'd like to, more than it's fair to. Oh, I agree. And I mean, for, cis women too i mean it's it's a reality of being a woman period mm -hmm. um you know a trans woman may be a target to a different group of men but you know women in general always have to be concerned about their safety because you know men can be dangerous yeah. you know just and you always get that and there's a lot of things going around it's like not all men it's like yeah but enough of them enough of them mm -hmm. you know that you know, you, you don't know if you're approaching or you know someone who's going to attack you just by looking at them. They don't wear signs. I I think that should be a thing. We should wear signs. I am not going to attack you. 
Um, but until we get that system set up, you know, we have to just be afraid of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, there was an episode of Seth MacFarlane's space show, The Orville, where there was like a, a rating that everybody had over their head. <laughs> we, we, we definitely need that, that rating that would system. Be, that would be helpful. <laughs> and you could avoid the ones you don't like. Yeah. So what role has therapy played in your journey? And I'm, I'm assuming that after such a traumatic event, that was, that's been part of your life. But I, I, I was just kind of curious about how it's helped in your, your gender transition. Um, therapy has done absolutely no good in my gender transition. Uh, I decided very early on uh, when I was talking to the therapist and everything that unless I can find a trans therapist, a therapist who is trans, they can't tell me anything with any definitive understanding. Um, and I never found a good trans ther a therapist who was trans that I was comfortable with talking to. Um, and not because they were trans, but because, you know, we just didn't have that comfort. Yeah. So my transition has been, you know, I knew who I was. I didn't need to talk about it. I don't need somebody's approval to be who I am. My depression, the PTSD from the attack, um, my sense of low self-esteem and things like that, <laughs> that's an entirely different story. Um, and some of my, um, my dysphoria related to my appearance you know, these are things that I talk about with my therapist. And I talked to, uh, recently I had a really bad time up until about two months ago. Um, I was talking to my therapist like three or four times a week, mm -hmm. uh, just because I was that, oh, I was that low. Um, I call it emotional cratering. Yeah. And so, you know, therapy is important. It's something you have to do. If it's not about your transition, it's about the side effects, the emotional side effects that come with transitioning. There's loneliness, there's abandonment, there's uh, negative self-image. These are all things that are not directly related to your transition, but they are important factors. They're important, important side effects that need to be addressed. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't do the work, you're never gonna feel whole or complete. So, yeah. you know, I would recommend therapy to everybody. Um, you know, just talk about what you need to talk about and don't let them dictate what, you know, a relationship with a therapist should be mutual. It's not, you're going in and they're them dictating what you need to do. That's not what it should be. It's, you know, you're, you're part of this. You know, it should be a conversation, not a, a lecture. Yeah. You're paying them. They work for you. And, you know, I would second that it, it's really important to find a therapist that the find the therapist that's right for you and keep looking. If you haven't found it yet, my therapist wasn't good for helping with my transition related aspects. And so the work we were trying to do with the other things that were going on in my life, since a lot of them stemmed from the fact that I was trans and wasn't out and hadn't come to grips with it, we didn't make any progress. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I like to say that, that it's, it's very important to give that to yourself and to realize it's something important and keep looking and find the person that helps you wholly, every part of you. It's, it's really important. Agreed. Um, I went into, I, you know, and part of my problem with finding somebody who I could tra transition with, um, I went into it for the wrong reasons. I was looking for letters. You know, I was looking for 
somebody mm -hmm. to give me what I needed so I can get out. I wasn't in there to find the root cause. And the person I was there to see kept telling me, oh, well, let's worry about that later. Let's put off your transition. You don't need your hormones now. You don't need to start doing this. Just make sure you know what you want. I'm like, I do know what I want. I don't need you to tell me what I want. I just need you to help me get there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where I, I, I get, I, I'm against the dictatorial style of, of therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, did, in general, what does transition look like for you and where are you in your process? <sighs> that's a tough question. I mean, transitioning to everyone is different. Mm -hmm. I'm a, a very feminine person. Um, I like being girly, I like, you know, having as little body hair as possible, even though there's nothing wrong with body hair on a woman. Um, so I'm happy with my transition. I haven't, I'm not really sure whether I want surgeries or not. Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of people, that's like the end goal is they know they want bottom surgery. Um, and they know they want breast implants. They know they want facial feminization surgery. I'm not sure. You know, yeah, okay, I might like some things done with my face. I'm not super happy with this. But, you know, I'm pleased with my development. And I'm not totally upset with, you know, my body. I was never just overly dysphoric about my physical attributes. Um, I just wanted to live the life I wanted to live and be the woman that I always was. Mm. So... Where I'm at, um, I would like to leave the trans label behind. That's where I want to be. You know, I just, I just want to be a woman. And now I know that I'm always going to be a member of the trans community. And I know that everybody I come into con, almost everybody I come into contact with, is always going to have that little asterisk next to me. They're going to be like, they're a woman, but they're also trans. You know, it's that little asterisk next to the next to the name woman. Um, and I know that's going to be the, the reality, but I don't want being a trans individual to be the center of my existence. I don't want it defining me. It is a, it is not the main marquee title over my existence. It is just one of the many, many adjectives that make up who I am. What are some of the key fears that you ran up against in your transition and how did you overcome those? Um, most of my fears have been loneliness related. Um, I lost everybody when I came out. And mm -hmm. a lot of that had to do with how I was outed, but not entirely. So, you know, my biggest fear was I was going to die alone. I'm going to die alone. You know, yeah. I'll have friends, which I love my friends and my friends should not take this as some kind of slight against them. But, you know, I want a life partner. I want somebody who is my person, is the person I, I go to at the end of every day and tell everything to and just wrap myself up in them. That's what I want. I'm not poly as much as I would love to be poly. I'm not. I want one person. Um, that's what I want. And I was, I still am afraid that that's never going to happen for me. You know, I have people that I, 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 there are people that I love and there is someone that I am crazy about, but you know, it, it's probably never going to happen. And you know, I'm, I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid that, you know, I'm going to turn old and gray and never have another love affair in my life. Mm -hmm. But dealing with it every day, I fill my life with good people. 
who care about me and love me. And while I can't have that relationship, maybe I can have a thousand other relationships that'll build up close to it. It's <laughs> not quite the same, but you know, um, I've been single for a little over five years. So, mm. you know, I'd like that not to be the case, but that's been my fear is being alone. And I've been alone. Mm -hmm. No, I, I absolutely feel that and identify with that, that, yeah, I think that's another common thing. Um, I can just give you my experience. I, it was six years for me and now I'm in the best relationship I've ever been in in my life. So just, and just I'm always have hope. You you. Never give up on the hope. It, it's always possible. <laughs> Camera froze at a really bad time there. It's it's always hmm. possible. There's always somebody out there for you, and you just have to to keep the hope. You gotta stay positive. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned you know your perspective on surgeries and your transition. Have have your goals shifted as you've gone along your transition? Oh, absolutely. When I first started transitioning, sorry, while I switch out my ear, earpieces ear here. Um, while I was transit, when I first started transitioning, I had the goals. I was like, breast implants. I want uh, bottom surgery. I want facial feminization. I want a hairline advancement. I had all these things I wanted to do. And because I was like, I was so dysphoric with who I was on the inside that I wanted to fix everything on the outside. And it wasn't until I addressed all the things on the inside that I realized that the outside is so much less important to me than I thought it was. I wanted to be happy. And I found that I can be happy with what I've done so far. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I'm still up in the air. And I'm, you know, I've just gotten to a point where my bottom surgery is not going to define who me, me as a woman. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, fine. Um, it doesn't make me more or less of a woman. And so once I accepted that, I, I really stepped back and I was like, I wasn't in such a rush to achieve all these milestones that I'd set for myself. I had a calendar mm. like, okay, by this point, I'm going to have this done. By this point, I'm going to have this done. I was like, that is one totally unrealistic. Um, you know, we're pretty, I mean, I think baby trans are a little naive on how at the mercy of the system we really are. Uh, but in the end, I was just, I realized I was like, okay, if I get this, then that's fine. It's going to add to me, but it's not going to be everything for me. That's a wonderful and very important perspective. I love that. I'm so glad that you're able to get there and, and find that love for yourself. Why, what do you. you, what do you do in your day-to-day -day life? to find that validity in yourself and in your, and your, in yourself as a woman? Um, that's really hard. Uh, you know, I'm so, every day is just, I'm just living my life and just being me. You know, it's great because at my school, um, the kids call me Miss Alexis. That's my name is Miss Alexis. So I have this constant validation from my, my students. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I do my hair, I do my makeup, you know, I just enjoy having my nails done. I enjoy the clothes that I get to put on, the colors and the patterns. Um, you know, I have my 
my purses and my shoes and all these outward things. But really what comes, the most important thing is that I wake up knowing that it doesn't matter what everyone else sees. In my heart, I am the woman that I've always been. Um, and I'm living to fulfill myself as opposed to fulfill the role that others expect of me. Another extremely important point of like, yeah, finding yourself and finding love for yourself first. What forms of- Don't get me wrong, getting, mis getting misgendered still sucks. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the next part of that, you know, the the opposite side of that coin. What are the key things that kind of take your legs out from under you and, and give you that that dysphoria these days? Today, today I got misgendered. Um, one of the faculty at my school, he's an older gentleman and he does not deal well with different. Um, and, you know, he misgendered me to a student and that bugged me. Um, and I was, it, I let it eat at me pretty much all day. Um, and that's what does it. It's, you know, and it's, I can forgive accidental misgendering. The deliberate ones, I just want to just, mm. um, but it will always just be like a punch in the stomach. It's like, I know that you, I get that you don't see me as a woman. I get that that's your perception. But can you respect me enough to know that I know myself? That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for you to accept that I'm a woman, but accept that I know myself to, enough to know that I am a woman. And to you know, know that it's appropriate to respect that. Right. It's, I, I don't get why that goes over so many heads and, and why that's so hard for people to just respect others. Right. Um. But yeah, that's that's usually what knocks me down is is getting is that just gen general misgendering. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome in your transition? Um, well, first was starting in a state where being trans was a fireable offense, mm -hmm. um, you know, and find trying to find the resources I needed. Um, moving, I moved. I literally sold everything out of my apartment, threw it into my car, drove across the country, and started a brand new life in another state, almost three thousand miles away. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had to start from scratch. I had to find a new network. I had to build a new group of friends. I had to find a doctor that I was comfortable with. I tried three different doctors in this city that I just didn't click with, and then I find the doctor I see now. Oh my God, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I will every time anybody even mentions a woman's doctor, because she's an actually she's a it's a women's clinic, you know, and mm -hmm. she's trained her staff to be um, accommodating and accepting of trans individuals. So it's just super great. Uh, so I'm always handing out her cards every time I go to her doctor's office. I'm like, can I have some more cards? I'm passing them out, you know. So but that's been the hard part is building from scratch, because if you're unfortunate enough to be trans in an, a community that does not even acknowledge your existence, much less support your existence. Um, sometimes you just need to up and go. You know, you just need to pick up your roots, pack your bags and get out the door, find a place that's going to at least be safe and at least be have the resources you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Find the love in yourself enough to say, it's important for me to live somewhere where I'm safe and I'm treated with respect and 
allow yourself to go find that. That's another amazing message. It's it's super scary. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's terrifying, mm-hmm. but it was worth it. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I think it goes back to because you felt you were important enough for that. Right. Like that That's wow. a big message. What is your favorite thing that you've learned on your journey? What have you picked up along this transition that is like the, the key that you that just makes you happy to know? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it really comes down to there's no right way to be a woman. Um, that understanding has been the defining moment for me. But there's so many little things along the line along the way with that. Um, there's no right way to be a woman. You know, that way. I may not be able to pick the right clothes, you know, and I will say when I first started transitioning, my clothes selection was not appropriate for my age or my body shape. Um, I had to learn and I practiced. I mean, I, I, I like my personal style. I like my style sense. Um, I have friends who are like, we're going shopping and you're going to pick out my clothes. And I'm like, that's great. But I know me. You know, I don't know you. I don't know what's going to work for you. It's I've had a lot of experience. I've been around myself my whole life, you know. So I know what's going to work. But <clears throat> but then I have friends, you know, I have trans women friends who like blue jeans, T-shirts, you know, combat boots and motorcycles, you know. It's like mm-hmm. they've got their own thing. They don't need validation from anybody. Um, and they're no less of a woman than I am, you know, so... I think that's been the most important thing for me to learn. Hmm. It's helped me the most. Yeah, we don't know anybody here who likes jeans and t-shirts all the time, do we? That I, I can't think of any. Um, it's not me, Jess. I'll tell you. <laughs> it's definitely not me. Because Jess is here in the chat. That's why I say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, closing out this section, what advice do you have to pass on young or closeted trans people out there? Um, be patient. I mean, patience is the most important thing. I know it can seem like everything has to happen now. I need it now. Um, there was a, a phrase that I learned when I was taking sociology in college and about the younger generation. I want what I want when I want it. I want what I want when I want it. And that is still true today of the kids coming up. I mean, that's true of kids everywhere. There's no such thing as, you know, there's no delayed gratification for most kids. So <laughs> for those who are trans and are younger and aren't finding the progress that they're looking for, be patient, you know? Okay, there, yes, I know you need the hormones that you need to, to feel good about yourself, but there is time, you know? Okay, yes the dysphoria can be overwhelming but if you can just fight through it you will find the support you need in time but if you give up too soon you've completely robbed yourself of any potential of happiness so patience is important patience is the key to everything and any trans person who is transitioned or is in the middle of transitioning will tell you that it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. It didn't happen as fast as I wanted it to. I didn't get the breast development that I wanted to as fast as I wanted to. Um, I didn't get the approval of the state for the letters for my insurance and the insurance company took six months to approve it. There's always these delays. So patience, 
patience will always be the answer. You know, trust that you can be happy in the end. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse, and be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. You can follow our guest Alexis on Instagram at Alexis underscore at last. If you love what we're doing and want to support the transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse. 